0: Local news, sometimes it's hard to identify. Sometimes you know what it is right when you see it, but how is news gathered, crafted, and delivered? When a local TV station puts together a story that lasts a couple minutes, there is a process, but sometimes that process is more interesting than the story itself. We're going to tell you the behind the scenes little nuggets that don't make it to TV. We are bringing you the people on the front lines in the action in a different light. This is Jay Wallace. Welcome to K-View, Off the Airwaves. Hurricane Harvey, the impact it made on Texas is far more than any one person can describe. It was devastating, heartbreaking, and it was severe weather like Texas hadn't seen in quite some time. Here in Austin, we didn't get it as bad as many other places, but the hurricane still impacted this city and especially people in our Eastern viewing area. So now a year later, we take the opportunity to sit down with members of the KVU Storm Team, Chief Meteorologist Albert Ramon, and Meteorologists Erica Lopez and Nathan Gogo to reflect on what they personally went through during the moments leading up to and during the storm.
1: You're looking live from Corpus Christi, Texas as Hurricane Harvey, a category four hurricane, making landfall right now.
2: Wind speeds sustained at 80 miles an hour.
3: Live here in Corpus Christi, we are Uh, Still seeing very intense
1: wind and rain. This is going to be a very dangerous situation. This is where the worst of the hurricane is right now. Right here, Rockport, Fulton, here in Aransas County. The eye is about to move over Rockport here within the next 10 to 15 minutes as it continues to trek off towards the northwest inland.
0: Well, we have the team here. Thank you guys for coming in today. Uh, just so everyone can know which voice is attached to who they see on air, since we got a lot of voices here, if you guys could all just say who you are and uh, what you do at KVU.
2: My name's uh, meteorologist Erica Lopez, and I'm the morning meteorologist.
3: But your name's meteorologist? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> I
2: was going to say Nathan Gogo, but <laughs> I didn't think it'd be that funny. It was only funny in my head. But
1: <laughs> this is Albert, uh, chief meteorologist here at KVU. And this is Nathan Gogo.
0: Why did you all
3: decide to become meteorologists? So I went to college uh, studying meteorology, and I didn't necessarily want to be a TV meteorologist in the beginning, but I had a couple internships, one in particular with Amy Freeze at Fox Chicago News, and she kind of really inspired me to, uh, to become a TV meteorologist. I really enjoyed my internship with her. And then in college or through college, we had this fun little TV show, that we we kind of were able to, you know, get accustomed to being in front of the green screen and talking about weather. And so by the time I graduated, I thought, eh, maybe I should do this.
2: Me kind of two reasons, I guess. For some reason, the news, I was always fascinated by watching the news, the production of the news. I always wanted to know, Why do they toss the reporters like this? Or, you know, just notice different things. And that was probably elementary age. I enjoyed watching the news more than cartoons.
1: And then I
2: always enjoyed the meteorologists a little more. I always thought they had a little, they were a little bit more special. (laughs) Cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they gotta be as nerdy as they can, or want, right? And then when something big was happening, everyone was tuning in and they just get a geek out. And then, so I grew up in Arizona, Watching the meteorologist there and Arizona, the joke is oh, hard to. Um, Mm. talk about how hot it is, right? It's just sunny and hot. Mm. But there is that one season, monsoon season, that's actually busy. And we get some good storms. It's when dust storms roll around, or as now the popular term, haboob. So when those roll in. And so I also had a lot of meteorological questions. And then um, I would joke around in high school that I was going to be the weather girl in my Earth Space Science class. And it was just a funny thing, I guess, that I would tell myself, mainly because I didn't believe in myself that I actually could, A, study the weather, because I was horrible at math, and B, like, be an an on-air talent. Um, But then college came around, and I was like, well, I guess I don't know what else to study. So I just kind of kept going, and then everything just kept falling into place.
1: Right. It's funny. I think if you talk to most meteorologists, the passion started elementary school, right? Uh We always had at least some kind of a kernel of interest. And mine goes back to second grade. Uh, 1992, Hurricane Andrew had just hit South Florida and was out in the Gulf of Mexico, about to make its way towards the uh, central Gulf Coast. And I got super, super just hyped up about it. And that's how it kind of all started. And like Erica, in high school, people knew that I I liked meteorology. And I was a weather watcher for the uh, local NBC station in Corpus Christi. Okay. uh went on an intern at that same station and then became a direct competitor of that station with my, my first job at the uh, CBS affiliate in uh, in Corpus Christi. And then in uh, October of 2009, ended up here at K-View.
0: So what is it about Texas Compared to other states, other areas, why is Texas weather weird, difficult, peculiar to cover?
1: Well, because we have everything. Yeah. You know, from winter weather, you can get ice storms and snow. You get tropical weather, obviously, with, with Harvey, uh, like last year. You get epic flash flooding. That is our main concern here in central Texas is because of the uh, topography of uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of rainfall to cause big time issues here wh- where we live, so it is a uh, weather person's paradise because you get you get it all: tornadoes, hurricanes, winter weather, flooding. Uh, you name it, we get it here in Texas. By winter weather, we
3: mean like a tenth of an inch of ice, <laughs> just so we're clear.
2: Right. And people that don't know how to drive in it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Now, before we get into specifics of Hurricane Harvey and whatnot, let me get a feel for the team. What is uh, fun, interesting? How do you guys like working together? Together. Well, I can't stand it. No, I can't stand it. <laughs> uh, no,
3: I mean, I think we all get along really well. Um, we all are a little different but in our own respects, but I think we we mesh well and we, um, we try to work as a team. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to work as a team for it to work out well and to enjoy your job because if you don't, you know, it's just not fun to work with people you don't get along
2: with. Yeah, I would say um, we all kind of fill in we complement each other very well because we all fill, fill in the gaps, you know. And so as a whole, we just make up an awesome team. Um, but we all work equally as hard, you know. Um, yeah, we're all, we all. Bring <laughs> <laughs> Why are you making that face off? <laughs> oh, he rolled yeah. his eyes with Nathan Cusco's. <laughs> <of them. laughs>
1: <laughs> no, obviously we have a, you know, a, a a great friendship, on and off there. Sure. You know, we have kind yeah. of the same sense of humor and, and stuff, and we're all, you know, young. So uh, I think we mesh uh, mesh really well with each other.
0: Y'all were all here um, when Harvey came, when Harvey happened. Give me a little play-by-play. Go back before Harvey hit. When did you know it was going to be bad? What were those moments like when you were realizing what could be coming to Texas?
1: So, fun fact about that week, Harvey yes. made landfall on a Friday. That Monday, anybody know what happened that Monday? The whole country was talking about it? Solar eclipse. That's so, right. Forgot you know, about we started that. off with a solar eclipse. It was a total solar eclipse for parts of the United States, and everybody was talking about it. That was the major national headline. Yeah. You know, ABC was wall-to-wall for for hours on on KVU. And by the end of that work week, the national story was this natural disaster that was occurring uh, in the state of Texas with a Category 4 Harvey, the the strongest hurricane to hit Texas since 1961, Carla. Uh, So it gives you an idea that for really the first half of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were monitoring something coming out of the Caribbean Sea, going to the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. And by Wednesday afternoon... We were planning on sending myself to the coast because we were only expecting at that time a tropical storm, maybe a minimal hurricane to hit the Texas coast. So from Wednesday afternoon till Friday at 10 Mm o'clock, we went from a minor situation, maybe some rain, some wind along the coast, to one of the worst natural disasters in, in the state's history with that Category 4 making landfall uh, in Aransas County along the uh, middle Texas coast that Friday night. Chief Meteorologist Albert Ramone here. Category 4, Major Hurricane Harvey, which within the hour looks to make landfall somewhere around Rockport, Fulton. Those uh, outer bands beginning to move into our southeastern viewing area, Fayette County, Bastrop County. So uh, this is just the beginning of a very long duration, very wet. and and potentially dangerous uh, weather impacts to our own area.
3: I have to go back in the text messages because I remember going into work Saturday. I worked that weekend, the weekend before Harvey hit. Saturday, nothing was on the models. Mm -hmm. Nothing was going on. We had no indication anything was gonna happen tropical. Sunday, I come in and all of a sudden it was like a switch. I remember texting you, Albert, being like, oh my goodness, Look look how much rain. At that point it was just rain. Uh, But it was predicting, I remember a lot of rain and I texted you a picture and I'm like, wow, this is a big difference from the day before. And then each day after that, little by little, you know, something was coming together. And as you mentioned, Wednesday through Friday is when things really ramped up where, I mean, by Friday, 24 hours, it went from a a tropical storm to a category three or four within what, 12 or 24 hours.
1: I mean, incredible. Yeah. Incredible amount of uh, rapid intensification, something I've never seen before in my career.
2: Yeah. And I would say right after we sent Nathan, probably less than 12 hours after that, we realized holy crap, we shouldn't have sent him because it's going to be right. this bad. Yeah. And now me and Albert are stuck here at the station <laughs> by ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're already at a three meteorologist team. That's right, that y'all
0: had three at that time. Now clarify this, why is it important to have all hands on deck? Like, what is actually happening? Why is that idea of all hands on deck necessary?
1: Well, because we're, we're a 24-7 weather team, and especially when you're dealing with a natural disaster, Uh, we need to provide that information 24-7. And a four-person weather team is hard to do that alone. And then you take one out of the mix... Uh, Actually, we took two out of the mix. Right. Uh, It became a a, a huge challenge. So we learned a lot about staffing and how we can handle natural disasters from Harvey. Okay. Our new policy is if there's even a teeny tiny chance that we may have major weather here in our KV viewing area, which Mm -hmm. is 13 counties here in Central Texas, we keep everyone home base. Okay. Uh, So... uh, it, it was great to have Nathan along the coast, but we have a huge room, you know, newsroom uh, staff that can, sure. in the future, uh, go and do that.
3: All right. So, as you can see, we kind of came out of our little area where we were a little bit more protected. But yeah, we're gonna be out here uh, doing full T.
0: walk through that Harvey timeline. We'll get into some of the questions about what happened in coverage, but let's just talk about what what happened on each day during that whole time period. When did what hit which part of Texas?
1: So Harvey made landfall as a Category 4 hurricane Friday night at 10 o'clock, right okay. when we, we started our 10 o'clock news. 10 o'clock news. Uh, yeah. Ranges County, which is the Rockport area. So uh, it, it slowly moved inland, hit Rockport, a lot of damage, including storm surge in Port Aransas, and then continuing to move inland, uh, Refugio and Goliad County into the early morning hours. For us here in central Texas, there wasn't a whole lot going on on the radar uh, Friday night. Our rainfall really started to ramp up Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. And it was Saturday night, the first time in my career, that I was actually scared on air because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. We've been looking at these fore- forecast projections of 20-plus inches of rainfall in our eastern counties And they were materializing uh, in just a matter of hours in Bastrop and Lee and Fayette County. And that was Saturday night. And that rain continued into Sunday. And it was in that time frame that Houston started to deal with their major flooding. Um, And then that major flooding then pivoted late that weekend into the Beaumont-Port Arthur area. So Harvey's going to go down as a three-time natural disaster, right? First was Landfall Friday night, Category 4 hurricane. You had wind gusts. You know, over 130 miles per hour, you had... Uh, just a super amount of rainfall in the Houston and Beaumont area. That was natural disaster number two. And the number three that impacted our viewing area was the flooding, and in some cases historic flooding, along the Colorado River because of the amount of rainfall that we had right along the Colorado River Basin east of Austin.
0: Eric and Nathan, talk to me about what was y'all's part as this was all going on? What were you doing to help with the coverage?
2: Again, in the beginning, it was just Albert and I in the station. So we're, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're on air at this point. Nonstop, 24-7 with the anchors. Obviously, it's a meteorological event, so we're on air a lot. So basically, me and Albert are splitting. I, would, I wouldn't I would even say 12-hour shifts, 16-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah.
2: Albert decided to actually sleep here because he lives in Pflugerville, so it's a bit of a drive. I just lived about eight minutes from the station at that moment, so I could at least go home and sleep a bit. So you're going home to get six seven hours of sleep if you can because Uh you need to unwind you need to kind of just settle down get your brain to shut off for a second and then just book it back to the station um but yeah i would just say just nonstop on-air coverage i mean at that moment we're in an interesting spot because harvey at this moment is impacting those along the coast Mm -hmm. right so we have evacuations from corpus christi at this point not a lot of people are evacuating from houston um, okay. But they are being warned, you know, hey, give give them a heads up if um, it wasn't a mandatory evacu- evacuation yet. But folks all across from Corpus all the way to Houston are starting to evacuate. Even San Antonio is starting to be on edge. So I felt like we we're in s- the perfect bullseye for all of these people to start evacuating into our area. So I knew a lot of eyes were going to be on our viewing area, checking in on their loved ones. Um, so it's just constant, not only... Um, monitoring meteorologically what is going on, but in communication with everyone that we possibly can, just because of the specific location that we were in. I mean, you're either going into Austin to evacuate where you're uh, leaving from the coast, or if not, you're driving to Dallas, but Dallas is another three hours away or so, so... Um, Yeah, so I was just in the studio, just constant weather updates. Um, We also had a meteorologist uh, come in.
1: Craig Moeller from our uh, Techno Station. That's right. uh, He was a lifesaver.
2: Oh, my gosh. He was awesome. Yeah, Yeah.
1: when we we started figuring out that this was going to be a 24-7 kind of event that could go on a few days, that's when we asked for some reinforcements. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, I I think maybe the most exciting story out of the three of us was Nathan. Nathan was ground zero, and uh, Nathan and I had talked... I think that Thursday night, you were in Port Lavaca, and we were talking about the storm surge forecast, and we started talking about maybe you shouldn't be at that location <laughs> uh, at yeah. landfall. Yeah, so when we went
3: first down there, we first went to Corpus Christi, which is kind of where all the headquarters were at our sister station, uh, Channel 3, KII. Uh So I was sent out to Port Lavaca, which, if you're not familiar, is right north of Rockport. And at the time, I remember Port Lavaca was kind of in the bullseye. It was right before, you know— uh, the system, Harvey, kind of shifted a little south. But in that moment, we were thinking Port Lavaca was gonna be ground zero. Uh, and we're, being right on the bay, we were concerned. We had a satellite truck with us. And, um, you know, just a low-lying area. And so, you know, as the system continued to push closer to us, uh, I was in a hotel room with all types of other media, you know, you name it. ABC, you know, NBC, Weather Channel, we were all in the same hotel. And me never experiencing something like this, I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't eat. I was so anxious because as the system's approaching, it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. I didn't want to go to sleep and then wake up and being the only one in the hotel. You know, so it was hard to um, really get your eyes off of radar and looking at it. So, yeah, I, I remember calling Albert, getting his recommendation, thinking, you know, what? maybe we shouldn't be here uh, because not only for our safety, but for um, our equipment, our equipment You know, would have totally been destroyed. Uh, A satellite truck. I mean, how much money is that? A lot. So I felt we felt responsible for that. I was with my photographer Dennis, so we actually booked it last minute down to Corpus Christi to get out of the harm's way before it moved on to shore. Um, But it was it was an incredible experience. I mean, eye opening and the highlight of my career for sure. I mean, it was. I was down there maybe three four days. It's hard to really fathom because you know you you see it happen but then like just just life just stops basically you know the the hurricane comes on shore and you can't go to the grocery store you can't get gas I mean you can't do anything you can't use electricity in many instances so I mean it was it was incredible I went we went over to Rockport the day after the morning after it hit and every single building I saw was at least had some damage. I mean, there was not one building that that was saved from from uh, Hurricane Harvey, and uh, because the system moved on so slowly, it was pouring rain for days after. So there there wasn't really much to clean up. There wasn't. You know, you really had to be on be on alert for for days after. In uh, along the Texas coast, Port Lavaca, uh, we have been staying since yesterday. We got here in the afternoon and uh, things have really kind of started to go downhill from when we got here yesterday. Mandatory evacuations here in Calhoun County. We're looking at anywhere from 100 to 120 mile per hour winds. Those are sustained. We could have gusts that are higher. And the biggest concern continues to be storm surge. Storm surge that, um, you know, could exceed
0: perhaps eight to 12 feet. I want to go back to something Erica brought up. The idea of evacuation. Why do we always have so much trouble getting people to evacuate when they really need to?
2: Yeah, well, um, my first market was in the Victoria area. So I actually know a, I have a lot of close friends and loved ones there. And I could I could definitely say that you're just so attached to your life. You're attached to your belongings. Mm. You're not only thinking about your personal life. Um, you're confident in yourself. So you're like, you know, I can ride this out. I've been through this storm. I've been through that storm. Mm. We have a generator. We're We're good. But then the aftermath, I mean, we know there's a lot of crime that happens after storms and you want to protect your belongings. You don't want to think about leaving your home and then having to return. And your home is fine from the storm, but someone broke in and stole a lot of your possessions. So I think that's something that a lot of people with, struggle with, um, in my opinion. I
1: grew up in the uh, Corpus Christi area. We used to go to Rockport and Port A, you know, all the time. Uh, sure. was only about 40 miles away from my hometown uh, hometown in Beeville. Uh, I worked in Corpus Christi. It was my first market. And in my four and a half years there, there were a lot of close calls. Rita and It almost happened. Almost happened. And keep in mind, the middle Texas coast, this coastal bend of Texas, as we call it, uh, hadn't had a major hurricane since 1970. That was Celia. So you had two, three, even four generations now that had never gone through a major hurricane. Uh, Mm. They've gone through some weak tropical storms. There was Claudette in 2003, but that's—I think—that's the real reason, uh, too. Especially in this part of the state of Texas that hasn't gone through a natural disaster like Harvey uh, in in decades. Uh, you know, the strongest one since Carla in 1961, and this was even stronger stronger than that. So that's that's right. another reason. And I think Eric is absolutely right. Put yourself in that same situation. It's hard to leave home. I was thinking about that with all the wildfires that have been going on in California. Sure. Uh, How can you leave your house? You want to be there to protect it. You want to be there, protect it from not just the natural disaster any way you can, but also, as Erica said, from looters as well. Right.
3: But you have to keep in mind, you know, I I always think, I mean, leaving just for your safety from the storm itself is important, I think, but also even if, you know, you do survive and you're you're at your house and you know, you're fine. You have to keep in mind, I mean, electricity could be out for weeks, you have the aftermath, you can't go anywhere. I mean, I barely escaped the coast uh, days after yeah. the storm because my car was running out of gas and every gas station I would go to was out of gas. I barely made it to San Antonio, I was almost stranded. Thankfully, like the third gas station I got to, which was in rural, like Alice, I think, um, had like a little bit of gas left and I was able to make it to San Antonio. And at that point, you know, gas stations had gas. But, you know, you have to keep in mind, not only do you deal with the storm, but you have the aftermath of where are you going to get – do You have you know food to provide for your family for a week because no grocery stores are open, mm-hmm. no no food, nothing's open. So um, I remember the first meal I had after three days of eating goldfish. It was like the greatest <laughs> thing in my life. Right, at a bratwurst, and it was right. like tasted better than I've ever. Right, than I've ever had.
0: Now with flooding, what is the one or the handful of things? What makes it so dangerous? Just in general. Um, It could anywhere in the country when flooding happens. Why is it so dangerous for people's lives?
1: Well, freshwater flash flooding is the number one weather killer. It's not lightning. It's not tornadoes. uh, It's not storm surge. It's freshwater flash flooding, rainfall adding up uh, in a short period of time and causing uh, death. And we live in an area that's called Flash Flood Alley. Because of where we live, it doesn't take a whole lot for you to hit solid rock because of where we uh, live in proximity to the, the hill country. Mm-hmm. So we've had numerous flash flood disasters that go on you know, in the record books. Uh, there was one that happened in September of 1921 that was a worst-case scenario for our area, and it was a stalled-out tropical system, something like Harvey, and added up to over 30 inches of rainfall in the Thrall-Thorndale area. So Williamson County into Milam County, uh, over 20 inches fell in just 12 hours and uh, caused a lot of destruction and death. And that's our worst-case scenario, for us here in central Texas is a stalled out tropical system. And that's why we were so frightened on what was going to happen with Harvey. There was a lack of steering currents in the atmosphere. There was nothing that was going to take Harvey to the north or to the west or wherever. It was just sitting over parts of south central Texas and and caused this devastating flooding, especially in southeast Texas, but along the uh, Colorado River. Um, So both river flooding and and freshwater flash flooding are two main concerns here in central Texas and something that we had to deal with uh, during Harvey. Well, and I think... I could be wrong on this, but I think 85% of the people who die from flooding
3: die from driving into flooded waters. Yeah. I mean, that's by far the most, because I've been in a situation before, and even as in college, it is so hard to see how deep water is, and you think you can make it, or you see other cars making it, and it's hard to turn around, you're just lost, you're under pressure. And, and that's why we talk a about a lot on air. Even me, yeah. when I'm out in yeah. the
0: field and y'all, we are all, all reminding people, turn around, don't drown. Right. We've said it a hundred times, but there's a reason because yeah. of what that stat right. you just gave.
3: So, you know, I mean, sometimes we see video of people clearly driving into what looks to be 10 feet of water. They just, it, you know, to people, they just don't expect it. You know, people don't watch maybe coverage as much as we do, obviously, because we're, sure. we're in it. Right. So, you know, I, I think of my parents, they're probably not nearly as educated in terms of what's going on. So they might be running to the grocery store not realizing, hey, we just picked up 10 inches of rainfall. And then they, they just don't expect to have, you know, a viaduct or, or a, like a low water, a low crossing area filled up with water and, and all of a sudden you're stuck and you're like, should I get out of my car? And, you know, you have to make split se- second decisions. and. It's just, it's it's really scary.
2: Yeah, I would say a lot of it. And I mean, the people who are driving, they probably just weren't fully prepared. They're probably driving to try to escape the situation mm-hmm. that they're in, but they weren't... I mean, flooding is a situation where yes, we can forecast it, but it can also get out of hand much more rapidly than what was anticipated. So you're stuck in a situation that you weren't prepared for, and then you're trying to get out. And getting out sometimes, it's much more dangerous, and they're just trying to do what they can at that moment. Um, Not only that, but also um, debris in the water is a lot of um, things that people don't talk about, especially, um, you know, electricity. There's a lot, I mean, this water, Especially when we're talking about coastal areas it's so dirty you can't see what's in it there's um, wild animals there's alligators and you know when we're talking about Houston there's yeah we've seen videos of that, yeah people yeah. people get punctured by sure. slabs of wood that were that are in the water so mm-hmm. that's something that people don't talk about a lot also the debris that's in the water good morning uh, it is about 3 34 a.m. on Saturday here's what's going on the latest if you're tuning in on Hurricane Harvey Now a Category 2 hurricane, this is a huge national story, um, is all across the coast right now in Texas. Folks in Austin want to know what's gonna happen in Austin, um, and what's going on. Fast forward to getting closer to landfall. We're expecting this storm to possibly be a Category 3 hurricane as it approaches the coast, and then likely holding on strong until it quickly dies down.
0: Now I know this is something you guys probably hear. Ten times more than me, but it's debated among meteorologists, among news reporters, just among people on social media. Why someone needs to be out there? Why Nathan was out there? Why you see the reporter, you know, out in the hurricane? And I think this this is the perfect time to talk about it. Talk to me about where that line is. When is it worth it to send that person, the meteorologist, the reporter, out there? And when is it like, you know what? They're not safe. They're not safe in air because. You've seen the comments. I've seen the comments on social media where they'll say, why why, why is that reporter out there? Why is that person out there? So what's the purpose of that?
1: And where is the line? Well, our main goal is to get the best pictures right and the best sound and the the best live images. But what tops all of that at the end of the day is our staff safety. And that's why... There was that decision made of taking Nathan away from ground zero into a safer spot, away from storm surge, away from the worst of the wind. So our staff safety here at View and our company, Tegna, is our number one priority. Uh, Did we have the best live pictures that day? We didn't because, again, safety is number one. It is important for us to be there, though, because especially where we live in Austin, a lot of folks from along the, the Texas coast, Evacuated to Austin, so they're in hotels, and they're curious. They want to know what's happening to what my does neighborhood. home. Look like exactly what's what's my house uh, condition? What's my neighborhood? What's my town uh, mm-hmm. look like? So that that's important for us to be there, uh, not only during but especially after, right. um, to, uh, to to make sure people know across the state what what's happening. And I would argue that the the best reason to be there
3: isn't for during the storm. It is for after. You know, a lot of times it's hard to get there after it's happened. So if you already have a crew in the area, you know. The reason why we've had so much help in terms of Hurricane Harvey is the images. If people aren't seeing what's happening, they're not going to be as inclined to help. And so the That's whole idea point. is to give help for people in need. That's the reason why we're doing it. And if you don't have any images coming out, family suffering or or, or just the the damage itself, it's hard to to be inclined to donate your money or donate your time to help if, if you're not seeing it.
2: Yeah, I would say it's definitely... Strictly for educational purposes. Yeah. I know sometimes it looks worse than it actually is. And sometimes people do put themselves in crazy situations. And it's difficult nowadays with media. I mean, there's so much competition for the best picture mm. and whatnot. But I think when you're talking about meteorologists, we our purpose at heart is for educational purposes. It's not just for you know, the competition or try to compete and whatnot. um, I would say that's our best intention for sure.
0: Nathan, just since you were out there on the front line, when were you the most scared? It was definitely
3: when I was in Port Lavaca. Um, I just didn't know what to expect. I had never been through a tropical storm really before. I mean, kind of. I mean, in in Austin and when I worked in Waco, we've had a couple little tropical systems. Uh, But yeah, I just didn't know what to expect. And the day as it was coming... On the land, Port Lavaca, where I was, looked to be at the time the area that was going to be hit the hardest, kind of on the right side of the storm. So um, it was just a lot of not knowing what to expect, time running out, figuring out what we're going to do. Should I leave? Should I stay? And, and I, I remember talking, trying to speak to actually all the other meteorologists there just who had been through because, I mean, there was people there who had, you know, Mike Seidel, for example, who's like, he works for the Weather Channel, and he's right. been through hundreds of hurricanes. And, you know, I try to get some of their, their feedback. And, and uh, one of Guidance. our meteorologists from uh, Sister Station in Ken's. Paul. The, Paul, yeah, he was there. And he really comforted me, too. So I think that was when I was most nervous. I just didn't know what to expect. And, um, and yeah. So we're
0: one year removed from Harvey. Try to look 10 years, 20 years down the line. What's going to be the one thing you remember about this experience?
1: Well, for me, it's how to handle a tropical situation like Harvey.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I went back about six months after Harvey, about six months ago, and uh, I was a little disappointed in myself, to be honest, uh, on how I handled some of the situations, both on and off air. So it was a great learning experience for yeah. me uh, going forward on how to handle this. Uh, both on TV but also as as kind of the little supervisor of this, of this department?
3: I would say, you know, it, this will always be one of the highlights of my career. I know being on the coast was obviously not probably the best decision in terms of staffing. You know, we definitely could have had me here and helped out. But, I mean, it was an incredibly eye-opening experience to be there and – to see something like that, and for me, it really solidified my passion for weather, and not only that, but just gave me so much respect for how powerful Mother Nature is.
2: So for me, I I remember the feeling. Sometimes we get in a little bit of a slump During the dog days of summer, you know, (laughs) we're talking about heat, triple-digit temperatures. You have to find ways to make the forecast exciting, different. interesting. Yeah, and then you sometimes wonder, am I even making a difference? Are people really listening? And then, you know, I mean, we're finishing the end of summer well into the hurricane season. And then Harvey just, you know, all all of a sudden, hell breaks loose in, in Austin and the coastal areas. And then... I would say I specifically, uh, th- this moment, I'll never forget. Um, so specifically when um, when all the flooding was happening in, I'm just laughing because I know you're going to totally put this in. When the flooding um, started happening in Smithville and, you know, Fayette County and all our eastern counties, and our reporters are out there, you know, we're getting all these images, but... I literally have Facebook viewers who are messaging me on Facebook and asking for help, telling me I have water right now to my shoulders. What do I do? Who do I contact? You know, and it's just its just a crazy feeling thinking this person is in a life or death situation and they're messaging me on Facebook right now because they need help, you know? And so... Um, it was. I've just never experienced something like that before, and it really just impacted you because you are definitely making a difference, and people are listening, and you know. So. Yeah. Geez, Louise.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't, ha- I didn't oh know. I have God. any yeah. idea that that happened. But but I think yeah. you
2: were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: in, the, in the weather office, but I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about. You know, yeah. we got the fancy computer graphics and the Doppler radar, but at the end of the day, uh, that's what it's all about. For us as meteorologists is to be there during great times of need um it's not just the it's going to be sunny in 99 today it's during those those days like harvey where people come to us for that information so it's a it's a very very big responsibility and we got to take it super seriously um, And that's why it is a pleasure to to serve our community.
0: Tonight, the crisis is
2: far from over in neighborhoods hit hard by Harvey. It has been one week since Hurricane Harvey first made landfall near Corpus Christi and cleanup is still underway throughout South Texas. We're just continuing to hear stories from this community of how neighbors are pulling together to help each other during these hard times. And all day, we've been telling
1: you about the organizations in our community helping victims of Hurricane Harvey rebuild their lives.
3: And as flooding has subsided throughout Fast County, the focus now is on long-term
1: recovery. I will say, I think because we were so aggressive on air, and, and it goes to our colleagues across the street as well at the other TV stations, we were yeah. so aggressive on stay off the roads because there was a lot of unknowns. We have a, you know, a Category 4 hurricane that just made landfall. It's now stalling out. We've got computer models that are spitting out now 20, 30-plus inches of rainfall. There was a big unknown. What that amount of rainfall can do in our own viewing area and i think because we were so aggressive telling people the big unknown how dangerous this situation was a lot of people either went to a safe place or stayed home and off the roads and we didn't lose one person in our viewing area there was a lot of death and destruction in houston of course but in our own viewing area where we also had major flooding especially along the colorado colorado river we didn't lose one person and a couple of days after everything settled down i sent a note to my competition, uh, to Scott at Fox, and to Jim at NBC, yeah. and Chicago at CBS, and to Burton at, at, uh, at uh, Spectrum. And I said, congratulations to you and your staff. We, we, as a community, a meteorology community, I think we saved lives over the last few days. Now let's go get a beer. And Jim Spencer's paying. That's what I wrote in my email. <laughs> 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 did you end up doing that? No, we never did that, but um, we, we need to. We need to, yeah.
0: Including hurricane coverage, including flooding coverage, everything y'all do connecting with people. Why is local weather coverage? Why is it something we need? Having you guys here at KVU stay in touch with people about what's going on through Facebook, through Twitter, on air, everything we've discussed. Why is this something in society? Why is it important that we have local weather coverage?
3: Well, I think if you don't have local coverage, you don't have people talking about things that you can relate to. So, in our local area, you know, we we are a part of that community, so we can, um, you know, we can talk about things that people can identify with, and um, we we understand our community a lot more than any national person would. So, if you take local weather out of everything, I mean, I can't imagine a society where that would be the case. You you would have, I don't know, like it would be hard to even fathom that to me so
2: the place I worked at before this we did national weather and I would say it's just physically impossible yeah. to really cover everything that's going on specifically in the country for every single person and it's it's just way too big of an area I mean you can focus on a general you know a severe thunderstorm watch or whatnot but then if an actual storm, especially when we're talking about tornado coverage like tornado coverage it happens within minutes you know Uh, a severe um or a tornado warning or an actual tornado touching the ground you know so it's just it's just physically impossible if we want to be keep um our viewers and people across the country the safest as possible i think having specific you know Um, people dedicated to specific areas, it's definitely necessary.
1: I think there are a lot of critics that will say that local news is dying, that we're in a dying industry. Right. But it's situations like Harvey and even like the Austin bombing that tell you 100% why local news and having journalists and your local meteorologist is so important. It's just like the Austin bombing, just like what we saw with Harvey, uh, with our station KHOU and the other affiliates across the state of Texas you can't cover this from a national standpoint. You can't be in New York or LA and cover the impacts that are happening in communities like Mainer and Pflugerville and Hutto and LaGrange. You've gotta have your local local stations, your local uh, reporters and meteorologists be able to cover it. And and as a meteorologist, it's super important because we're able to say, hey, uh, if you're in southern areas of Fayette County, Uh, As you get a little bit closer to the county line where there's this little grocery store, we're able to to relate to people because we know that area. We've been in that area and we can tell people, watch out for this low spot or, 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 or whatever. So that's why it's super important.
0: Well, Erica, Albert, Nathan, thank you for your transparency, honesty, wisdom, knowledge. I think it's important to, just from my perspective, not forget what happened, too. That we can, you know, this is an outlet through the podcast. We can... Talk about what happened, and just remember how we covered it, and what people went through. And I think this was uh, this was really valuable, really good. I'm glad you guys were all able to make it in.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Hey, if you like what you heard on KVU Off the Airwaves, check out our daily newscasts. Daybreak from 4.30 to 7, midday at 11, KVU News at 5 and 6, the night beat at 10, and anytime on KVU.com.